Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Papua New Guinea move a step closer to the 2020 Cricket World Cup. More silverware for Auckland City, and the Vaka Eva Festival is back in Rarotonga. But first, we continue with an extended look into the dispute between the Manu Samoa players and Samoa Rugby Union. The Manu were beaten 28 points to 9 by England at Twickenham on Sunday. And again, players had threatened to boycott if their concerns regarding the governance and management of the SAU were not heard. World Rugby subsequently intervened, and Rob Nickel from the International Rugby Players Association says strike action was always the last resort. The guys really wanted to be heard in a rather unconventional way, if you like. They got the world's attention, that's for sure. So we managed to set up those discussions, and um, unfortunately we received a communication after that meeting from the ambassador on behalf of the Samoan Rugby Union just explaining that they've got the dates mixed up somewhere along the lines. And then they offered to, to meet, actually, over this last weekend. But from a players' association perspective, we were returning to New Zealand and uh, we went back and said very supportive of their meeting with World Rugby and I don't think they've been able to organise that meeting either. So we've gone back through correspondence very respectfully uh, and humbly, if you like, requesting the opportunity to, to dialogue uh, with the Samoan Rugby Union, just a little bit at a loss of exactly who we're supposed to or who we should be dealing with there at the moment. So we're hoping over the next few days that, that the opportunity will present itself for us to meet with a, a mandated representative of the Samoan Rugby Union and we can work in, you know, first and foremost on agreeing a bit of a platform between ourselves and the Samoan Rugby Union and probably the IRB World Rugby in terms of how we move forward. And I think if we can get to that point, that'll be a good first up tick, then we can break the issues down with them around the table and see if we can get some really good outcomes. Okay, so obviously with an off-season just starting, I mean, what you guys want at the moment is, is is that dialogue, which is what you asked for initially, and that's what the initial sort of threat was about, just getting people around the table and debating the issues that you've already outlined, and, and once you work out who you need to talk to or who's the one to talk to, uh, then something can happen from there. Yeah, but you know, make no mistake about it, there's some outcomes that are required. From a player's perspective, I think you know they want an outcome that results in them having confidence in the governance and administration of, them, of the national union. That's been an area of frustration in the past, and they don't want to lead into a World Cup next year and you know various fundraising activities and, and then have the mistakes of 2011 repeat themselves and the concerns that arose out of 2011 repeat themselves. So, you know, this is about being proactive and actually sorting it out before we end up in the same old, same old. So, they want a partnership with Samoan Rugby Union one which is um, unique to them and, and their environment and and works out between the players and the National Union how they're going to work together to develop a partnership that has them improved and not been held back by communication or administration issues around, or, or if I like, you know, a lack of clarity around expectations, etc. And, and that's not just about the Samoan Rugby Union. You know, the players are putting their hand up and saying, we want to step up as well. You know, they're all very competitive characters. Most of them have lived in two or three countries, speak two or three languages. Yeah, they've seen the world. Um, they are playing international rugby because they want to represent Samoa and they want to win on the global stage and they want to be able to do that 
in partnership with some own union, and at the moment they don't feel that partnership exists. So that has to has to be delivered upon. And then the final one is there needs to be real confidence that the best available players for Samoa are being picked and are available and want to play for their country. They all want to play, or I should say are able to play for their country, but they don't want any barriers to it. So um, there's some outcomes, but I can't imagine anyone would disagree with those. In, in terms of barriers and, and getting the top players available, are we talking about people that are in the squad, or are we also talking about some people that are maybe not currently within the national setup that would like to be a part or would like to return to the national setup? People need to understand it's a unique environment, particularly uh, for listeners in Australia or New Zealand or England. You've got players who get contracted to a club. They might be in Japan, they might be in New Zealand, Australia, France, England, Italy. They, you know, they come from all these different playing environments, and they have to think of their families and themselves and their professional career. And that is where they ply their trade and they support both their families that are with them and their families back in Samoa. Um, it's a significant export business for Samoa. It's the whole professional rugby and the players that are playing abroad and repatriating money back to their families in the islands. So, yeah, they've got that, and they need to meet the expectations of those clubs and they need to deliver upon them. And often, they'll be playing for a club as a someone who is there as a backup to an international French player or an international England player, or they'll be competing with those players for spots. And it's not easy. And so to come away and play for your country, immediately, the moment you do that, it's a financial sacrifice. People have to get their heads around that. These guys don't make money and they don't expect to make money out of playing for their country. In the vast majority of instances, their club contracts will, will cease during that period in terms of their payments or their contract will reflect the fact that they're away on international duty. And, and as we all know, they don't get paid a lot by some to play for some So immediately they're taking a financial hit by playing international rugby. And yeah, that's an issue for world rugby to address, but the point is, against all that background, if it then becomes really difficult or the guys are coming into that environment and don't feel that it's up to scratch or they don't have confidence in the administration and governance or the platform is not there to be part of a seamless um, winning operation, then it starts to create barriers for them actually doing it. That's what the players are really saying, is they want to play international rugby, they want to play for Samoa, but the administration have got to up their game to make that worthwhile and make it I suppose, successful, which is what they all want. Is part of it just transparency? And if, if they understood, you know, what was coming in financially, how it was being spent, why certain decisions were made, who was making them, if they were consulted or at least informed on, on certain decisions, then, then they would feel more comfortable? Yeah, and also the outcome of some of those decisions. You know, are they, these guys, I don't think you want to underestimate the value they can bring to the discussions and to decisions that need to be made. They've got a lot of rugby wherewithal, if you like, knowledge uh, and expertise. You know, that needs to be incorporated into the thinking of the Samoan rugby union. In addition to that, you know, when you talk about competition and infrastructure in Samoa and high-performance environments, these guys have got so much they can offer, and they want to. They want to contribute to the, the legacy of island rugby. They've got that expertise. They've got that experience. You know, how do they come back and dovetail into the various high-performance and, and rugby development programs in Samoa and contribute? So it's a two-way thing. You know, this is about the players stepping up, being organised, and say we want to be a legitimate and a respected part of the rugby because we believe, one, we've got a lot to offer, and two, uh, we believe we can be a whole lot better than we are. There's a lot of people around the world that want to see Samoan rugby strong and want to see it functioning well, and, and they'll lend all their ideas and initiatives, but at the end of the day, the model has to come from the Samoan players and from the Samoan rugby union. The players' ire was raised further in the past week when the chairman of the Samoa Rugby Union and Prime Minister Toilepa Salele Malialinga Oi accused the players of being spoilt brats and putting money before country. He has since told TBNZ that the matter has been resolved. Toilepa says he's agreed to try and find more money for player allowances 
but explained to the players that their function is to play and not get involved in the management of the game. The SIU treasurer, Paimang Jensen, who is also an SIU board member, says other accusations from the players about poor governance and interference in team selections are unfounded. Those issues, uh, I don't think, were correct. The board doesn't uh, pick the team. It was, was, was picked by the management. All the board was do is approve the team that was picked by the management. And that's why I say that uh, we're going to call a board meeting to address those issues properly. And see what their major concern is. Because their major concern is the studies to raise their allowances. Is it the belief of the SAU that the allowances, that the money is the main issue? Yeah, that's my belief as, a, as, as the treasurer of the union. Uh, the money was the issue to start with. And then when we say that we can't really increase the, the allowances, and then they turn around and raise all these other issues, and we're, I'm not sure, I, I don't really understand what those other issues are. Uh, uh, the union is still performing and doing all the work that it can be done for them. They are probably contracted to their clubs. All Samoa Rugby Union do is uh, ask them to come and play for the Mansamoa on a certain fee that we can afford. C- considering they earn the majority of their money from their club sides and considering a number of the players probably lose money by choosing to play for the Manu Samoa because if they stayed with their clubs they would you know, earn more from their clubs but they obviously want to represent their country. Does it not seem odd that money would be their main concern when... You know, the Manu Samoa is not where they received the bulk of their money from, and if anything, by choosing to play for Samoa, you know, they're making a financial sacrifice. If, if Samoa ask them to play for Samoa, it's really up to them to say yes or no. They're not contracted to the Samoa team, if you know what I mean. They're not like the All Blacks and Australians and all those other teams. They are, all those players are contracted to their unions. These players are contracted to their own clubs, and we, we can only ask them to come and play. If they, if, they, if they choose so, they can say so. Okay. If they don't, it's up to them. The other, obviously, um, thing that they discussed in their release with the Players Association was uh, concerns over the overall governance and, and management of the union. Some of these concerns were the same things that were sort of mentioned during the last World Cup with Mohan Rishwalga's, you know, uh, captain's uh, uh, report, which obviously gained a lot of coverage, and, and a lot of players say that those issues still haven't been addressed and, and that that is one of their main concerns. Um is the Samoa Rugby Union happy to, to have those discussions? Because the Prime Minister has come out and said that it's not you know, for the players to get involved with the management, but they obviously uh, lack confidence in some you know, of the runnings of the union. I am not uh, really sure what the concerns are. Um, I mean, what they mean by those concerns. Because, uh, that's what I mean when we're going to call a board meeting, call, maybe call them around to raise those issues and what they mean by those issues. Because... I don't think their concerns are correct. The union is functioning properly, despite some, maybe there are faults, but we're still running. And uh, the teams are competing at international level. All the teams, Mansamoa A, Ana-20s, Manusina. How can a union not function if those teams are playing? And they are outfitted. All the insurers are paid for, everything. So the, the union must be functioning. Uh, so we need to sit down with them and uh, discuss what's, what's the real issues with uh, their responsibility is to play when we ask them and give the administration to the union. Do you understand, though, that the players want to be a part of the future of Samoan rugby and that they want to contribute to the high performance and the development of the game and that a lot of these players want to be involved or at least kept informed of the decision-making and, they, and that they want Samoan rugby to be strong? Is that, is that understood? Well, the door is always open. Most of us here are running the union are all ex-Mansamo players, 
with qualifications. If they want to come and run the union, there's a process to go through. They just can't be come and just run the union. There are processes to go through. They have to apply. They have to have uh, coaching levels. They have to have uh, degrees. All those. They just can't come as player and run the union. It's not easy to run the union like that. But anyone can come and run the union. But they have to apply. They have to go through the processes like every other union. Okay, and, and you've indicated there that once the Prime Minister, the Chairman, comes back to Samoa, that a, that a board meeting uh, will be held uh, to discuss these issues. Um, when would you expect that board meeting to take place? As soon as possible, because we have to raise those issues um, before next year. We have to discuss them and resolve them before next year. You accept that the concerns that the players have have not been resolved yet, that there is still something to sort out with the players, with World Rugby and with the Players Association before what is obviously a massive year with a, a World Cup and a home test against the All Blacks? Well, the immediate concerns were resolved, but we need we still need to have a look at the, in the long run and resolve all the issues because we don't really understand what the real issues are because they just said it. It was all on the media and what they said. We, there was no roundtable discussions of what they need. They went to the media without coming to the union. All they, they came to the union for was ask for their allowances to be increased. That's the Treasurer and Board Member of the Samoa Rugby Union, Paimang Jensen. Papua New Guinea are through to next year's ICC World 2020 Cricket Qualifier after defending their East Asia Pacific title in Lismore in New South Wales at the weekend. The Barramundis and Vanuatu went into Sunday's decisive round-robin match with six wins apiece from as many matches. Vanuatu won the toss and elected to bat but struggled through to just 96 for 9 from their 20 overs, with PNG reaching their target comfortably with 7 wickets and almost 8 overs to spare. PNG coach Dipak Patel says he's already looking ahead to next year's event. We're obviously very pleased and relieved in many ways that uh, we've got a chance to now qualify for the next T20 World Cup. You know, there's been a lot of hard work being put in by the boys and some of the processes that, and, and, and plans that we've we put into place over the last three, four months we've seen some rewards. Speaking with the Vanuatu uh, team prior to the tournament, they were somewhat bullish. I mean, obviously, the two countries have a bit of a rivalry and uh, are typically the two sides that are fighting it out right at the end. The way the schedule worked out, it was effectively a final. Uh, you both did what you had to do prior to that, winning the six games, and then you know effectively uh, it came down to that one match. So uh, you obviously would have been thrilled that you know when it came down to that moment that your players stepped up. Yeah, well, that's what we obviously were planning to do in terms of making sure that we were winning our round robin game, so to speak, and then just sort of looking out over our shoulder and see which team was was going to end up with the same number of wins. And Vanuatu were obviously one of the favourites to get to the last two, so to speak. You're trained to play against the best in the world, so to speak, uh, and that's what we've been trying to do. We're put, trying to put ourselves in, under pressure to play the best teams and performing. And uh, it's fair to say that uh, we beat them very comprehensively in all facets of the game. So that that was the pleasing part, was that the fact that we played our best game uh, against Vanuatu in the finals, so to speak. The Barramundis have had a very heavy diet of cricket since you've taken over as head coach. Uh, obviously up in the Darwin area, you've had the, the Big Bash up in uh, PNG. Uh, you've had, obviously, the historic games against Hong Kong. You've had the South Australian Premier League and, of course, this... East Asia Pacific T20 Trophy now, so uh, you know there's uh, there's a lot of miles, a lot of uh, runs uh, on the board now for the boys. Yeah, this is ideal from our perspective. Uh, this gives us the sort of grounding that we need if we want to compete at the highest level. And certainly, although it's been quite condensed, uh, the amount of cricket that we've played, 
I think it's been ideal in the sense that our main goal was obviously to try and beat Hong, Hong Kong in the, the official one days. We achieved that with the two wins in the ODIs and I think the most pleasing one was obviously the win in the three-day game as well because moving forward, we also need to be playing both forms of the game. But qualifying for the T20 after all this cricket that we played and you know having to play two T20 games in a day in the heat in Lismore of 35-plus, it's quite taxing. Yeah, it shows that uh, physical fitness as well as mental fitness is at a very high level and a lot of that's contributed in the programme that we've had over the last three, four months. In terms of Hong Kong, uh, obviously that was the side that deprived you of a spot at the most recent T20 World Cup. The PNG boys getting to within a game of that, and by doing what you did at the weekend, you have the chance to, I guess, rectify that or to go that one step further. Uh, what do you, aside from the obvious answer of win the game, now what do you guys have to do next year at that T20 World Qualifier over in Scotland and Ireland to to take that next step, which would be a real sort of a glass, another glass ceiling for PNG cricket to take. Yes, certainly we need to take our game uh, to the next level. There's no question about it. Um, although we're playing very well, you know, I think that we recognised that last night. We sat down and, and, and I certainly addressed that with the team. The fact that their planning had already started, albeit that we didn't want to sort of plan too far ahead. But now that we have qualified, we can go ahead and make sure that uh, we're well prepared when we arrive in Scotland or Ireland. Uh, and that's going to be very critical that uh, we give these guys plenty of tough oppositions to play against and our training programs have, have also got to match that. Yeah, uh, testing times for us and it's one that I'm looking forward to now uh, and, and get a, a future program in place that by the time we arrive in Scotland and Ireland, we're well prepared. So what does the calendar look like for the next sort of six, nine months leading up to that tournament? Obviously you've now got the benefit of having a lot of your players on contracts, which means that you've got more access to them and, and you as the full-time coach has more time to work with them as well. Are there matches lined up or is that something that you'll work through in the near future? Unfortunately, we don't have anything planned for the next couple of months, uh, in fact, for the next three months. Uh, so it's just a case of uh, sitting down now and I start planning. And that'll be the, the interesting part, from certainly from my perspective, is to, to be able to make contact with the people that I've known in the past and uh, from other countries and start uh, looking at see how we can organise uh, uh, some international games uh, that will give us that preparation that we need. Meanwhile, Fiji defeated the Philippines in their final game to finish third overall, while Samoa finished fourth, and Japan edged the Cook Islands, who were the only team that failed to win a game. Organisers of Rarotonga's annual Vakaiva Outrigger Canoeing Festival say they've been heartened by another strong turnout this year, despite significant competition. Close to 600 paddlers are competing in the week-long event, which has been running for the past 11 years. The event's coordinator, Josh Gonard, says that's a good result considering the World Sprints were held in Rio earlier this year. We had for the first time four crews come from the UK and four crews came from Maui and Hawaii. We got Canada, Tahiti, Australia, New Zealand. So it was good turnout. The Vakaiva racing began at the weekend and runs until Friday local time. And Auckland City have won the inaugural OFC President's Cup football tournament coming from behind to beat Vanuatu's Amakali FC 2-1 in the final. Bahrain's Busatin claimed third spot with a 3-0 victory over the Singapore under-23 side, while Bodden Town from the Cayman Islands secured their first win of the competition, beating the Fiji under-20s 3-0. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.